Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. I'm John. I'm Robin. And I'm Savannah. Together, we research and break down complex and even controversial topics facing our society. We always aim to bring you honest analysis backed by research to skew our bias towards what can be factually supported and to make it clear when we're giving our opinion versus speaking about actual research. We're human. We have blind spots and biases, and they will show through. However, our goal isn't to convince you to see things our way. We want to build a foundational understanding of these complicated topics so that we can address them together. We talk about some pretty heavy stuff on this show, and we tackle topics that might feel polarizing. But we do that because we have an important goal in mind. We want to change the way that people have hard conversations. And we think that we can do that using research and discussion to create common understanding. And since you're here, we hope you want the same thing. So we suggest getting comfortable and maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. Welcome to our fireside. And Savannah already looks done with this. Already annoyed at us. She's just like, oh my god. She's like, these assholes try my patience. It's fine. To be, to be fair, we do. Yes, (laughs) we do. We do, in fact, try her patience. Um, I'm sure I try y'all's as well. Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, we've got a very special episode of Fireside Breakdowns today. I don't know. I can't, I, I can't run with that. I was going to make it an after-school special intro, but I I just couldn't finish it. Welcome so. to Fireside Breakdowns. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. We're just going to make Savannah talk for the whole thing. You're welcome. Savannah's, she's our new, she's our new, the voice of Fireside. Um, we hope you like it. Husky and... <laughs> slightly infirm. Slightly infirm. <laughs> Call in tonight for only five ninety nine. Yeah. You're like Satine and Moulin Rouge. I'll only give you a little bit of tuberculosis. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. We are completely off the rails tonight. Yeah. As we do another unscripted episode to sort of get our bearings back under around, get our bearings um, after some massive effort and, and crazy life stuff going on. So this time we thought we would do a, a retrospective. Is that the word for it? Yeah. Uh, you nerd. Yeah. I have a vocabulary. Vocab- I have words. He knows words. I know. I know dozens. <clears throat> We're um, doing a review. Sometimes a review. referred to as a sprint review, but we don't do these. But yeah, let's do that. Is this agile? Those sprint reviews yes. are useless. Whoa. Whoa, I had a sprint review today. I'm just kidding. I know I my really team loves them. it. <laughs> I really liked them, but that's because I did them very differently when I was running um, sprint for marketing. When you, were running, versus... you did sprint reviews differently when you were running? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can we turn John's not even mic drunk off? yet. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, Robin. Take it away yeah. from me before I take us into a black hole of just absolute nonsense. What are we actually doing? So we what are we wanted to do, it is a retrospective and in review. 
a reverie, if you will. Um, <laughs> no, what we wanted to do was take a little bit of time tonight and check in with ourselves about some kind of big picture issues that we feel like we've you know, made progress in our opinions on over the last couple of years, um, places that some of us have seen big changes in thoughts and opinions, and then um, invite you, the dear listener, to also do a quick check-in with yourself. So hopefully this time next year, as we close out this, we're closing out season two of Fireside Breakdowns. So next year, as we close out season three, we would like to check in with ourselves on the same things and also invite you to check in with yourself and see if your um see if your opinions have changed. That's some big plans. That's some, some big future big plans. And I want you guys to know that John and Robin saved you from answering four hundred questions that I wanted to present to everyone. So Savannah wants to dissect all of your brains. Yeah. <laughs> Although we will I you know, as we make this survey available, we will also give you the masochistic option. Should you decide that you would like to spend that much time dissecting your own viewpoints on these hot button topics, some I'm of us peel back. Some of us like that <laughs> stuff. Don't want to do that. I'm going to peel back the curtain here and just tell you what happened. Uh, Savannah just got volunteered to write 400 questions to review your own <laughs> views because we don't have them yet. No, this I'm, is what you wanted, and Savannah. she might be the only one of us with the time. So. I can't even defend I got two myself. teenagers exactly. in sports. We can do anything because you, you're just, you're helpless. She, uh, uh, Savannah's battling off the ick. And tuberculosis. The, it's the, the tuberculosis. I don't know what it is, y'all. It's not the black lung, but it's close. You could say the line perfectly. It's, it's, it's probably allergies. No, I am not weak, okay? The earth does not try to kill me. Actually, it means I'm a little bit stronger than everybody else because my immune system recognizes a threat. Yours just lays down. I said this to someone earlier because they were like, it's probably allergies. (laughs) And I was like, no, um, I'm not a chump. And they were like, okay, (laughs) Ubermensch. I was like, whoa. Uh, Okay, so please... Please, it is 11 o'clock, and some of us have, well, I can't say that. I have the fewest responsibilities out of anybody here. Damn it. Okay. You can help me with my 400 questions. No. <laughs> no, you made that bed. You're going to lie in it. <laughs> For only five ninety nine. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the this is it. This is the episode that, that kills fireside breakdowns. Oh, wow. I'm just going to start throwing out diseases. Every time wow. we make a sex joke, I'm just going to start throwing out diseases. Just Okay, how well do you feel that your state-level elective, elected officials represent your viewpoints? <laughs> oh, wow. are we supposed yeah. to answer these ourselves? Is that what the intent of this is going to be? I think so. I don't Let's, mind doing that. I want to talk really quick about why I included these first two questions. Um, I was in a conversation with some people at work. And we were talking about, you know, the need for guns in case you ever have to overthrow the government versus the idea that healthy turnover in elected officials is one great way to preserve democracy because it ensures that the people who are in office are actually representing one's viewpoints. And we were discussing how disenfranchised 
we think people are with their elected officials. We have so many at a state and a national level that make their entire career out of that. That is what they do as their job. And we know from national polling data that their policies and the things that they're willing to vote on and not vote on do not align with what the American public is is interested in. So um, I wanted to know from people, like, you feel like your representatives represent you well. Do you, Robin, feel like Josh Hawley represents you well? I guess that's a national elected, right? Yeah. Well, I think this is a very complicated question, though, because I don't think we're going to find any candidate or representative that is going to reflect all of our viewpoints. That would be ridiculous. So we have to determine, are we generally happy with what they decide to do? Excuse me. Um, Or, you know, do we disagree with everything? Because uh, speaking personally, um, there are a lot of things that I think California does correct. And there's a lot that I think is awful. So, um, especially in San Diego and there's, I don't know. So I think, you know, what level are we talking about here? Are we talking city, um, state, nationally? Well, I think the first question here is specifically about the state level of elected officials. So, um, and the interesting part about this to me is that it presupposes that people are familiar with their state level. That's another one. Because that is a, um, that is a hurdle that I have found most people, uh, don't even attempt to, to jump. (laughs) Like voting in your local level, uh, elections is, I mean, turnout is always incredibly low. Yeah. And voter turnout in America in general is actually pretty low. But like for anything other than national level, like presidential elections, it's it's embarrassing. Which low. is so dumb because <clears throat> our mm-hmm. states and our cities matter so much more. The Board of Education, uh, the sheriff, everything. I just voted uh, last week, by the way. Congratulations. Good job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, but you're <clears throat> right because uh, a lot of people, we, we always see our national level elected officials in the news, but national level policy doesn't impact you as rapidly or as meaningfully as, as your local policy does in a lot of ways. As, uh, for example, take a look at what's going to happen with Roe v. Wade and abortion rights. If Roe v. Wade gets stricken, um, it's going to go back to the states to determine. And if you haven't been active in your state level elections, you're probably going to end up with uh, a state doing something that you don't agree with. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are a bunch of states out there with a bunch of trigger laws that are getting ready to go off as soon as Roe v. Wade falls through, if it falls through. Well, if people Um, are unwilling to answer a five-minute survey about their views, what makes you think that they're going to register, show up to vote, vote, and research, and all the rest of that? Nothing makes me think that, actually. (laughs) I don't think they will. It's one of the reasons <clears throat> that I continually campaign for yes. easier voting. Agreed. Um, it's one of the reasons Fireside exists. We will do the research for you. Just ask us and we will present to you yes. what we can find. Um, something that I thought was interesting and helped me get more touch with 
my representatives at a state and city level um, was that Facebook had a Facebook like politics area where you could go and follow the um, representatives for your districts. Like Mm. they would like, you know, it looks like you are in this district. Would you like to follow the current representative for this district? And um, yeah, I think that was a couple of years ago and I've enjoyed that because in the feed I'll get their, you know, social media stuff and see their faces, see what they're doing, see them show up to events, stuff like that. That's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I will give Facebook a kudo for that. Good job, Facebook, a single kudo. So if you are looking into um, being more in touch with your politics, every representative has a social media, so go and check it out. Um, you can follow them. Even if you don't agree with them, you can still Especially follow them. Yes, so you Especially. know what they're doing. And you should make it yeah. very very clear that they are not representing your viewpoints. Unfortunately, um, on Facebook, they have stuff like, you know, when you follow someone, it's like you like them. So your friends will see that you like Donald Trump. And that is, (laughs) then then you'll get called out at dinner parties. It doesn't work like that anymore. Not anymore. Thank God. Following. But yeah, for a while there, they will see that you're following. And, and, Listen, if we need to do a quick dive into how to adjust your Facebook privacy settings so that people don't actually see what you follow and unfollow, I can help you with that. Just send us a message, but you can actually have it set so that people don't see what you do and don't follow. Episode 46, how to lock down your social media. Oh, I'm yeah, all over that. To... How to scrub your presence from the internet. No, I love that idea for you. <laughs> I can do an actual special episode on that. All right. <clears throat> um. But yeah, I, I I think a lot of people, I, I would love people to actually answer this question because I think it would force them to actually look up who their local representative is, their state rep is, um, and find out how their state, um, their state, their, their, their political landscape in their state works mm-hmm. um, because not every state has a, uh, has a government that reflects the national level level government not every state has a bicameral uh setup i don't believe i think um i think some are unicameral and some are i feel like different. for rhode island it would be like four people under a pavilion at a park i mean i'm moving to rhode island i'm gonna run for office there there was that's a, a brilliant plan i'll be your campaign manager there was a a position that i needed to fill out in the california ballot that I didn't know what it was and I had to go Google it because I was like, what is an insurance controller? I was like, what are they doing? And so sure enough, like that, um, that is a, an elected position in the California state, which controls how insurance is regulated. And I'm like, that's weird. It was very strange. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, check out your ballots. It's interesting that out. that's elected. Right. Yeah. It seems shady. I yeah. find myself in an interesting spot because my the representative for my district in the uh, Missouri State House does not represent me at all, even a little bit. Uh, but there are quite a few who represent other districts that are near to mine that have a decent head on their shoulders. So um, I very often find myself supporting what they do, even though they are not my actual representatives. <laughs> How do you support what they do? Out. Huh? How do you support what they do? 
Um, around here, there's not a whole lot to do other than give people money and show up to their events. Uh, but there's one coming up actually Saturday in a park not too far from my house. A pavilion. Where a bunch of, the, yes, <laughs> it's a barbecue, um, where a bunch of them are going to get together and, and kind of talk about their campaigns and their platforms for the midterms and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, State level elections are also, I find, difficult because they put legislative questions on the ballot and those can read like alien dialogues on purpose if, oh yeah no it is on purpose it's intentionally uh legalese and, and difficult in fact i think we talked about this in yeah. season one at some mm-hmm. point yep. um and there are some states that have plain language laws now so that if a law is on the ballot it has to be in plain language so you can understand it but that's not every state yeah um so again, it's a great reason to participate in your state level elections so you can, uh, one, try to drive the change to make plain language a standard for your ballot. It sh- the law should be a, uh, comprehensible to the layman because it governs the layman. I think that's a pretty acceptable uh, reading of mm-hmm. how law should work, um, especially laws that we vote on in a democracy. Um, anyway enough about local elections let's talk about national level that's the next question is like what how do you feel your national level elected officials uh represent your interests um I, again i don't see what's why why do you hate holly so much and roy freaking blunt roy blunt and josh holly the dynamic duo of dope just the, the two big dopes in different ways I assume all the listeners know where each of us live and who we're speaking about. Uh, we de- they definitely know that. Well, we've definitely mentioned multiple times, but if it isn't clear, or if it slipped your mind, or if this is the first time you've listened to this, I'm in Virginia. I'm in Missouri, and I'm in California. Wow, that's split. I just realized that we're like rather equidistant across the country. Sorry. I plotted you it just on now realize this? Well. Not yes, every single time we now, worry about time zones? It's, it's not. It's it's different. It's different. It's different. I just put it on a map in my head, and it's just cool, but it doesn't matter. Okay, listen. Did you do the little airplane um, visualization where it flies from That's one postcard to the next? legitimately what I did, and each city lit up as yeah. the plane landed. So... Savannah's Don't over it. <laughs> rub your eyes, forehead, headache at us, okay? So, yeah, we, we give the Missouri, especially Missouri um, national level elected officials, a bunch of shit on this one because they tend to step in it so yes. much. Um, but, I mean, you've got Pelosi in oh, California. Lord. Her hair is fly. Is it? Do you not remember? Was it Pelosi? They got caught doing her hair um, during the pandemic. Pretty oh, sure it was yeah, Pelosi. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, or it was either her or Elizabeth Warren, one of the two. No, it was it Pelosi. Wasn't. It was Pelosi. Yeah, she gets a lot of a lot of shit for sure, all the time. Another one that she tends to step in it, and like the best meme though is her tearing up that that thing. I do. She does. She's very memeable. The applause after the State of the Union address in 2000 and was it 17 where she was just like mm-hmm. to Donald Trump and then tore up all this the stuff. Yeah. 
that was pretty I, I had that on repeat a couple of times just because it was very amusing um and then the virginia reps you know i can't tell you that they're actually very newsworthy they're very often really? which tends yeah. to mean that they're pretty moderate and mm-hmm. not trying to be dumbasses so i don't hate that part yeah no grandstanding yeah so we'll just roll out, roll right along because i think we beat the the state and local politicians to death uh figuratively the next question that we were thinking about and that it would be interesting to see how people compare between today especially and a year from now mm-hmm. are uh, those federal federal gun laws, specifically federal gun safety laws. Yes. How do you all feel about it? Are we going to talk about them? Like talk our opinions currently? It. Yeah, go. go small, for it. small, because <clears throat> we do have a lot to get through in about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. All right, well, I'll be quick. 30 minutes. Um, when people say federal gun safety laws, I don't actually know what they are, which is unhelpful. Um, but I do know that California's are very, 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 very restrictive. I've noticed my viewpoints have changed from being someone that wanted to buy a 30 round mag because they were easier to do quick reload draws uh, practice when I was active duty um, than the 10 round mags because they're so itty bitty. You can't do like quick, quick draw practice. I don't care about that as much anymore, but it was very frustrating that I couldn't use any of the magazines that I had and that if I was found with them, it would be a problem. And a lot of the guns that I had purchased in other states are not allowed to be in California. So um, that's just personally annoying. I don't know. But I, if, it, if my annoyances save a child, then cool. But I know California is like very, very, very strict on everything. Like you have to modify the guns that you get in order to make them legal, which is, yeah, yeah you have to, there, there's just a ton of rules. So they're very boring. They're not fun guns anymore. But anyway, <laughs> they only shoot one at a time and I can only shoot it like six times before I have to reload. Yeah. It's awful. California. I'm sorry, Georgia, which I have another input about is, um, they pretty much hand out guns like candy. Yeah. I think Missouri and Virginia are pretty similar in that it's it's pretty much a free-for-all. I, yeah. I don't think Virginia has incredibly restrictive gun laws. Those are, These are all state levels. Federal level, um, we don't have a lot of restrictions for very obvious reasons. Did you know we used to have a federal assault weapons ban? Yes, and I keep seeing I, so many people say that we got rid of it because it didn't work. You, you know what's crazy is I see so many people saying when we had it in effect, there were 43% fewer gun deaths in America. That's true. So I'm just like... <laughs> Our circle of friends is so different. <laughs> we're going to have um, an episode about uh, guns eventually, right? Yes. And, oh, yeah. So. yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get into, I, I do want to dig into those. I, I want to see where that 43% comes from because I have a feeling it's yeah. not as uh, cut and dry as proponents of the the federal assault weapons ban would have us believe because one statistics never are um but also because it's i mean that's is it i don't necessarily believe that it is strictly because of the assault weapons ban 
I think there were more environmental systemic things that would also help decrease gun deaths. Did you know you can so actually that. raise your hand in a Google Meet and it'll put a little hand I've up at the bottom? It. it just doesn't annoy John do. as much. <laughs> oh, you don't you don't annoy me. I don't I don't even know you exist. So anyway, um there are two great books that cover everything that you just said on killing by Lieutenant Colonel Grossman and on combat by Lieutenant Colonel Grossman. And I think that we could, um, they go over shootings in schools and um, the propensity to kill and how culture and society, especially in America, have shaped um, views around killing and guns and actually just war in general. So uh, fascinating. I'm almost done with on combat. And um, I think that should be maybe a book that we read. A book club book? Yeah, book. Let's do it. On Combat is probably the one that you would want specifically for the gun one. Because he goes into the timeline of when they were uh, lifted in the 90s or late 80s. I don't remember. Yeah. I think there's a misconception that we have a lot of federal gun laws. um, Because people interact with gun laws in their daily lives. People who are concerned about them um, have this perception that we have a lot of them. But really, most of those are their state laws and they're not federal. And the conversation that's being had right now is about what can we do federally rather than leaving it up to the states like Missouri that would much rather no one ever knew you had a gun and never be able to investigate a crime that you did with a gun. So You mean Missouri, the state that tried to actively or to that did succeed in passing a law that said that any federal regulations on gun ownership just wouldn't be recognized in the state yeah. of Missouri, that they yep. would just choose to ignore the law in that state? California. Yeah, and the one that opened um, – law enforcement officers up to civil lawsuits up to $250,000 if they participated in an investigation that uh, violated the rule that Missouri made up. Yeah. Well, California did the same thing for abortions. Um, said, well, they're trying to pass it that um, no matter what the federal law is, California is going to protect the right to abortions, which leads us to the next question. <laughs> Good segue. The question is, how do you feel about abortion rights? Which I know that's like a giant on the on the actual survey that we're sending people. There are some options, and then there's a room to write in your own thing if you would rather write something in. Um, but we're not going to make you just like write us an essay on how you feel about abortion rights. <laughs> some people might, you know, minimum. if you do write an essay, I will gladly read it. So absolutely, I will. That's true. Oh well, yeah, I'll read it. That that that'd be the best part. Um, I think it's a good point or a good time to point out that we're making this an, an, an anonymous. Yes. I'll get that word out. So your name isn't going to be associated with your answers unless you put your name in the box in your right. answers. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have um, the opportunity to to have a copy of your answer sent to you, but we will not know who said what. So <clears throat> it's interesting that how this has been worded, prepped by. Robin is um it's about gestational age that is what you're focusing on yeah there's one in there um so the the options that I have in there are that it should be legal at any time without restriction that it should be legal to a certain gestational age without restriction or legal only in certain cases and or up to a certain gestational age um, because those tend to be the key markers that I encounter when I'm talking to people about how they feel. Um, you know, there there is a lot of science. There's a lot of question out there about what's going on. 
in a developing human at any particular point during gestation. And we know some of it. Science is good at knowing some of it, but some of it we just don't know. Um, And so a lot of people kind of are basing their feelings on, and I I hate to oversimplify it this way, and please know that I'm not trying um, trying to make it sound elementary, but a lot of people base their opinion on how much it looks like a person versus um, how much it looks like a tadpole. You know, like there, it's a lot easier to have sympathy for something that looks like a human. That's why pro-life campaigns are filled with pictures of developing fetuses. Because this is also covered in On Killing, by the way. Um, because that, that is how we are programmed like to be book? sympathetic. So I included those in there because I know a lot of people who will say it's it's always wrong or it's always wrong, but we can make exceptions in these cases. Um, and then so that means it's not always wrong. Uh, they're saying mm. it's wrong, but they're it's willing an acceptable to, wrong. Yes, it is an acceptable wrong. Well, if we go over that, that argument says, yeah, I know. I, I mean, personally, I've actually I've run the gambit in my life. I started out in Springfield, a good Southern Baptist that was completely. Uh, anti-abortion um and then kind of as i grew older and learned and experienced more about the world uh and got out of you know the single mentality that i'd had up uh, for the majority of my life um began to sort of question like my views on where my morality comes from and why I expect other people to adhere to my morality and, and what that means for society and myself in general. And I uh, definitely moved over to the other opposite side of the, the map where I, I think it should be a personal decision. And just because I may or may not agree with it doesn't mean that you have to abide by the way I feel about something. Um, so I've I've moved into the uh, the the pro-choice camp because I it's, it's frankly um, none of my business and whether or not I think the act will send you to hell or not like that's you <laughs> that's up to you and I can't expect you to agree with or understand my own morality right so um so I definitely, definitely uh, have transited there. Um, Robin, do you I will say if you base your opinions on roadside billboards about right. when babies have heartbeats and stuff, you're being lied to. Yes. You, you are not being given complete information. Um, babies do not have heartbeats at whatever day they say. Right. Like I said, it's not complete information. Because babies don't have hearts. No, but they do have the stems that will eventually become the hearts that are sending electrical impulse signals. I trust me, I've deep dived on this because this is, Oh, I know it's not a heart. Exactly. So it's, (laughs) it's not complete information, right? So they have the electrical signal that will become their heartbeat. That's there and it's consistent, but it is not a heartbeat as we're we're commonly rails. (laughs) Well, no, and that's this whole time. That's the whole crux of this question 
because, again, the data tells us that a majority of people live somewhere in the gray, Mm -hmm. where they don't want to take away the choice from other people, but they're really not sure whether it's right or wrong. And they want more information to help them make that decision. Um, And that's kind of where that is kind of where I fall. I would at this point, none of the the legislation that I've encountered, I would support enacting on a a widespread basis to restrict people's access. Um, And I know that the data supports that a vast majority of people who make these decisions do so hard pressed and in dire circumstances. Um, and so that makes the choice essentially for me right there. Uh, but at the same time, I still struggle with the lack of good information about at what point we begin enacting cruelty on something that can conceive of the cruelty. That's my biggest concern. Um, I, I am not, I am not a proponent of not having some sort of developmental restriction on it, except for in, in very particular cases, just because, um, I think that we have to ask ourselves some really big questions about, at what point a human being becomes a human being. My, excuse me. My opinion comes less from what um, a fetus can feel and more of the viability of the fetus. So gestational um, age for me depends on, you know, how much a fetus can survive outside of a mother. So um, without going too much into uh, I know. science, it's really hard to like summarize this, but um, I believe that it should, I am pro-choice all the way. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I am pro-life and I have not had that stance my entire life. Um, so, yeah, it's. I think that if there is a way that we can remove a baby from a mother that doesn't want it and keep the baby alive until it is considered, I'm sorry, the fetus alive until it is considered a fully developed human, that is the best case scenario. Is science there yet? Um, it depends on if the mother wants to be given a C-section. There's just a lot that goes into, yeah. yeah. But I think that the woman who is pregnant gets the choice it is her body yeah i i would not take the choice away from someone else um but it is it's a question that i like most of america wrestle with and Mm -hmm. i don't find solid logic and that that's a really big struggle for me um i'm a very logical human being can we worry about the babies that are born? I know that is like a, an argument people hate, but like, can people no. can people work this out with their doctors? And then, you know, we have social structure that supports babies and children that yeah. exist. Not allowed. That's socialism and that's bad. 
right? We're not allowed to do that in this country. Don't you so know I'm a conservative, John? Get out of this of this country, you damn commies. Only commies care about babies after they're born. We all know this. That's everybody knows this. Do you want to go live in Russia? No, it's like, cold. <laughs> right though, some of it. Um. Yeah. No, I agree. I feel like it's. <laughs> This and this goes back to something Robin was saying is like at what point does it is it like a human, a human right? And it's like well, at what point do they stop being human if we're going to fight for them to be born, but then not to right. survive? Then what what the hell are we fighting for them to be born for? Like you clearly don't care that we have starving children in this country if you're right. not fighting this hard for them too. You clearly don't care that we have more houses than we do people without houses in this country like we have more empty houses than we do right. people without houses in this country which means children without houses in this country but you're not fighting for them to be housed like right and so that's where that's where for? the logic falls down like yeah. do we care for human beings or do we not care for human beings period across and the board all, like the argument i see is like well that baby might go on to cure cancer that might that baby might go on to be incredible xyz thing and it's like okay cool yeah but so might the mom that you're now shackling to a life of poverty because they can't afford a kid that you forced them to have so again women don't do anything in science john what are you well, talking about i mean true <laughs> we're only true, talking about obviously. the potentiality of the, the male oh, right 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 you know yes, i bet if it's a male right. baby it's probably right but and then white but a then white also male like baby might go on to save the world exactly be the next jesus Except, except that what about the white male older brother of that baby who now the mom couldn't support one kid, now she has to support two, and he ends up with nutritional deficiencies, thus slowing his brain development, and then he can't cure cancer. Like, it's the, it's just the whole Game conversation over. is rife with what ifs and what abouts and shitty logic and feelings all over the place, and that just, it's, it is a chaos of badness to me. And- and I, but I think that's really what it boils down to is like it actually, to me, to my mind, this is not chaotic. It's hypocritical. And there's a difference. It only becomes chaotic if you insist on the hypocrisy. If you insist on saying a baby must be born, but also we're not going to give out free food. We're not going to give out housing. Fuck them kids. Like that's when it Fuck comes chaotic. Right? My but, kid had a, a lockdown yes. drill today in school. Horrifying. And he That's was like, way. I am sorry to hear that. Yeah. He had lots of opinions about that. He was like, the, the desk isn't going to stop any bullets, is it? Oh. I was like, kid, you're seven. Yeah. He was like, why do guns exist? And I was like, well, there's a lot to, to shoot animals. I don't know. <laughs> No, because oh, people want to have control of other people. <clears throat> and that's also covered in on combat. All right. Um. Uh, it's for hunting 30 to 50 wild boars charging down your homestead. You know, we should talk. We should talk about critical race theory. That's we, what we should. should. Talk Let's talk about black people. That's well, way, way less of a layup. Here's line. an exit ramp. Let's take it right now. Critical race theory. Speaking of white babies. Uh <laughs> We want to make them feel guilty for being born white, obviously, and I fully support this. Yes. The end. Mm-hmm. That's the two episodes that we talked about, critical race theory, 
clearly I express that opinion mm-hmm. strongly. That's a perfect summary of, of, you know, all three hours of that conversation. Definitely. <laughs> Sarcasm. It's flowing strong tonight. It is. Savannah, you weren't in on those conversations. No. So you, t- you, you lead off critical race theory, this part of the discussion, because we haven't heard from you. No. So I haven't seen CRT in um, any of my child's stuff. Um, I don't think that it teaches that all people are individual, white people are individually racist. Um, I think it, I don't know. I didn't listen to three hours of critical race theory episode. I was going to say, might comment? I recommend a podcast? I know. Right? I, know. <laughs> I guess, I guess my, my question to you is, is if it did show up in your kid's stuff, how would you know? What does that look like? From uh, Okay, if I'm just going off of what I've heard about it, mm-hmm. it is, um, oh God, I've heard both that it teaches that white people are better and that it teaches that um, black people are taking over everything. That is, in, this is just from conversations with people and ads that I don't click on. I haven't heard that particular second part. No. That that black people are taking over everything. That that's actually a new that one. That gets into to me. um y'all have seen that Oh god. The great replacement series. Yes, theory. that one. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I have seen Ben Shapiro talk for more than 5 minutes <laughs> and Tucker Carlson. Not the same thing as critical race theory. But um I know. I, it sounds like I need to go over listen to the podcast. So I would strongly advise it. Yeah. You can read our show notes on our website if you I would, think rather, I would rather, do rather do that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I would think that, shoot, I do this with my kid already because we talk about, um, so I try to read books by black authors to listen to their experiences. And I was called out for reading a book about a white guy trying to be black. And one of my friends, if you haven't read it, it is, um, oh, yeah, on being, uh, or God, you know what I'm talking about? I forget what it's called. I know the book you're talking right, about. Right. They made a yeah. movie out of it. Anyway, um, it's yeah. a white man that goes undercover in the South as a black man. And, um, one of my very strong black male friends said that, um, there are a lot better authors than a white man, again, trying to be something he is not to, you know, black men actually can talk about it. So anyway, um, but I did, I try to read a lot of that um, stuff and I talk about uh, those type of, you know, how race impacts society um, as much as I can with a seven-year-old. So um, I think those conversations are already happening and I'm not anti that at all. Um, a few of my friends teach um, at some colleges in the San Diego area and they bring up critical race theory in their own teachings because they're teaching truth not um a white west version of it so they're giving more voice to black uh, events in black history and i don't think that that is a bad thing at all i right. see a smirky ass smirk over there what is that smirk about sir me yeah i'm not smirking, you were smirking I, that I, whole I legitimately time. wasn't i was not actually and i'm sorry if it appeared that way i i legitimately was not that is just my face i have resting smirk face it shows up on my driver's license all the time, and it makes people think I am a huge dick. But I swear to God, I was not smirking. Um, I uh, I was actually just thinking that it's interesting 
to hear Savannah talk about her perceptions of, of critical race theory and what it is. Um, and I, I did smile when she said her friends in college talked about it. No, no, mm-hmm. no. That's because my friends who teach at who college, teach college right? they teach college. Yeah. They're in a college. They talk about it. Yes. My point being that that is where critical race theory is talked about. That is where CRT, the actual concept, exists. Yeah. Which is a good place for it to exist also. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You're not going to see it in elementary school. And if I, I think there's. I think there's I can think of like one school district that had an aspect of CRT that was used to consider curriculum design, but it wasn't like the driving force behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, cause it's, it's something <laughs> CRT itself is something that most children won't be able to grasp. It's a very like high level and very nuanced theory of theory of the culture theory of society yeah you know well i, I mean um, we have conversations about uh, like atticus and i have conversations about um wars and why they start and that you know the civil war and what happened with all of that and i try to give you know the best synopsis i can for a child to talk about it right um and don't misunderstand what i'm saying to be that children can't handle concepts like that I'm I just mean to say like a academic idea like CRT is probably not of the appropriate level for most children to be able to to actually learn and grasp and understand. Yeah, they might be able to have discussions about the overall impacts and the flow of history. But when it gets into the weeds with academic theories like that. It, no kid's going to pay attention long enough because it's going to be boring to them. Well, I think right. Like any other academic theory, it like it is applied in a very specific way in a very specific context and you get very specific results versus uh, the concept of talking about historically accurate race dynamics and historically accurate representations of the Civil War and the aftermath and um, and the systems that have developed in this country that are inequitable along racial lines and also other lines. Um, it's very different than talking about those things reality in that way. Yeah. History. yeah. It's not reality. It's propaganda. Didn't you know? Well, I think we if people are propaganda. taking courses and they're trying to expand their minds, like, I mean, there's the same thing with like gender studies. Like it's, it's important to, look at how we're impacted and how society and culture is impacted by gender and race and God, sex and, you know, everything like that. So, yeah. But I mean, how long was gender studies, the butt of jokes? And it still is. The, the tar- it exactly. It was a hundred percent a butt of a joke yesterday at lunch. Whereas I agree that gender studies are important to our yes. society. There are people who like to, uh, target these fields of study that focus on minority experiences or uh, the experiences of people out of power, I think is a better way to put it, and um, and belittle them because at a certain on a certain level, I think they're threatened by the idea of these studies. 
or these, these courses of study. Yeah, I think they're threatened by the idea that we would need to re-know something we feel like we already know. They already they feel like they already have an understanding of how race dynamics work, how gender dynamics work, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And we're saying that's not it. And that in and of itself is threatening. You no longer understand this thing you think you understand. It sucks to have to continue to learn. It can be very challenging. Uh, A lot of people, I feel like, want to be grown up, quote unquote, and have it figured out. Um, and if you continually change the rules or seemingly continually change the rules, it's, it's frustrating. Um, and we do it all the time in, in school. Like that's how we learn things. You start with basic principles and then you change and you make exceptions and you make it more complicated. It's called the scientific theory. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, we, you know, it's science. You learn more things and you apply it and you continue to, yeah. Yeah. But it does suck um, when it's a culture thing to have to realize that what you thought you built your life on doesn't actually exist. It's like the Truman Show for white people. Or dudes. What? Oh, for oh, gender. God. Or, I was like, yeah. wait, what? Or me, white dude. Uh, the whole world is so confusing. You know, the thing was, interestingly, um, I had the breakthrough. Like, I used to be really against the idea of, like not against it, it was offensive to me um got my got my my bile up whenever somebody would would bring up something to the effect of um uh, systemic racism thank you thank you nobody um or <laughs> it's just stuck there and it finally came out uh one of you said it in my imagination uh like uh, systemic racism or these complex and nuanced understandings of our society it would just piss me off i'd be like that's dumb um and i remember when i had the breakthrough um that wait a minute you're thinking about this whole thing wrong like it was a distinct moment and it was during a black history month and there was a post on instagram and it was it had the hashtag black excellence under it and i was so annoyed that this person had been highlighted with this hashtag black excellence because in my head i was like well anybody could do that right like this person's not excellent because they did it um and then i realized but no that's not the point (laughs) the point is this person did do it there is excellence here to be admired and it doesn't take anything away from me that they did it. And once I had that sort of like revelation that it, I didn't lose anything by accepting that, like it was like dominoes and I started changing the way that I thought about the world. Um, and that happened when I was, and I don't know why, sorry, you have long pauses and I just want to like jump in. That's, I know I, I think slow. I don't know what to tell you. No, that happened to me. That moment happened to me when it came to other women. There became a time when I was 23 because uh, the Marine Corps made me essentially hate other women. But um, I looked and I was like, oh, wait, women are awesome. They're cool. Lifting up another woman is not going to take away from me. And it it was like a, a complete shift in my mental brain. So I know what you're talking about. It's really weird. It's a really good feeling, though. Like, I was suddenly a lot less upset with the world. 
I don't know how else to put it. Like, just like, cool. And it carried over to other things. You know, people that I don't like were succeeding. Okay, good for them. Doesn't take anything away from me. Life mm-hmm. is not a zero-sum yeah. game. Yeah. It's a very hard concept to, 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 to learn, to unlearn. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. So let's um, talk about the next one. And Great transition. What's the next one? <laughs> how do you feel about care for transgender t- children? So um, this one is mainly discussing um, the medical care of children who have identified as trans- transgender. Um, should there be a limit on the age, like a lower limit on an age that a child can begin taking hormone blockers. Um, and do you guys have other opinions or options? My first thought is that first and foremost, first and foremost, children are going through the most chaotic experience that anybody will ever have when they go through puberty. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went through puberty and like was completely unreasonable <laughs> in so many ways. What? And so I like. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I've been flipped off by both of you tonight. What's up? <laughs> Keep stepping you, in it. Apparently you're asking for it. Um, but, uh, but like, so my instinct is to say, well, I'm not so sure about, about making permanent changes to a child. Or some or making changes to a child. I don't know, enacting these changes that are irreversible in a child um, or potentially irreversible. Um, because I was so confused when I was a teenager and yeah. I never had any, uh, or prepubescent even, and, and I never had any sort of like gender identity or sexual identity questions or, or, or conflicts. So it must be exponentially more complicated for for a child who is experiencing that who is going through that Mm -hmm. and i think that the best thing we can do is stop putting our expectations on children for what they should behave like yes and how they should be and just let them exist in their space for a while and then when they're adults and when they are more developed when they are able to make a more considered opinion about the permanent changes they want to undergo, go through that. But until that point, counseling, child therapy, all the support they could possibly want to be a boy and wear dresses or be a girl and, I don't know, do boy stuff. I'm bad at coding stuff like that anymore. But it's just like, let them do whatever. Yeah. Stop telling them they're acting like a girl and making them feel like they're wrong for being a boy and liking girly stuff. I think that'll probably solve a lot. My biggest problem with this whole conversation is the societal expectation of gender and like why yeah. why does it matter? Um, as, as somebody who has had this conversation with pubescent middle schoolers um, and who's my oldest, basically their well, both my kids, their entire group of friends is going by names that are not their names. Right. Like I remember when I was in middle school and everyone wanted to change their name and it was like Kelly or Brittany or Stephanie or like Mercedes or Diamond, like all of these names. But they're I want to know where the accent came from. <laughs> Kelly. Hey, and what was Brittany. yours? What did you want to be called? Yeah, I have actually called? never wanted a different name. Wow. It has not ever been on my Must radar. Be nice. All right. 
Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, but like they're testing out names and fluid identities and, and they're going with like cool names like Atlas and like Zen, like cool names, right? Um, so cool. <laughs> I know. Atlas. But it's like there there is this freedom in that age group right now to test and flex so much if they're given the opportunity and with a little bit of support that I think if we can create a bubble of informed care beyond permanent physiological change, then by the time we get to where they're ready to make a decision about permanent physiological change, they'll have a much better idea of who they want to be, whether that's the same or different or some combination, right? Like who says they have to pick one? I don't know. Do they? At the same time, I think criminalizing, no, I'm just kidding. Criminalizing this idea of, of informed care is bad news all the way around. Yeah. Savannah, you raised your hand. I did. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think the argument for allowing children um, around the age of 11 and 12 to undergo hormone blockers is to prevent um, changes that cannot be surgically fixed. Um, like widening of hips or, um, oh God, I'm... I can't wait for this episode uh, also to deep dive into all of this stuff. My, um, I have a circle of friends who do support putting children on hormone blockers, which is very interesting to me as a mother of a child who has had crazy theories about who he is and what he likes. But the argument is that these children don't want to go through it because it is going to make them suicidal. Um, and so if you are going to save the children's life, you have to prevent them from undergoing um, puberty that would exacerbate a condition that does not match with their self. Um, and I think there's, there's a case for that, right? There is a percentage yeah. of the teenage population or their pubescent population that genuinely experiences significant body and gender dysmorphia to the point that they're suicidal. Then there is the vast majority of the population of any middle school um, that would probably do or say anything to avoid the pubertal changes that they're going through, um, but who are not driven to mental illness because of it. And that, I think that's why that kind of informed care is so important, because however, if you're raising a child. However, if you are a parent who does not want to do this, to does not want to put your child on hormone blockers, then the laws that are trying to the the discussion about it, excuse me, um, is about whether or not parents get to dictate that or whether it is the child who gets to determine their own care. Because think about parents who do not want to accept that their child is transgender. That's also a case, but also like this is this is why this is why care in this context starts so young. Um, because like if, if I had my way, every child would have a counselor as soon as I have a pediatrician, um, yeah. because you can start to establish 
these patterns like uh, there's a, a beauty youtuber nikki tutorials who came out a couple years ago as transgender um and all of her transitioning was done right around the age of 15 or 16 if i remember correctly um but in her video she was showing photos and and videos and stories of her from the time she was very very small and there was almost never any variation in how she presented herself that's a very different case than a child who, until they start seventh grade, happily identifies and not not coercively, not because they fit in with societal expectations, but um, but happily identifies with one particular uh, set of norms and then makes a drastic or sudden change. Like there's so many, again, nuance, right? There's so much that goes into knowing your child and caring for your child and the responsibility of medical personnel to care for your child. Well, you are a parent who cares about your children and you are knowledgeable about your you know, children and you want to give them everything that you can and you're going to support them. Not every parent is like that, which is why this specific law or ruling is going to impact transgender children that I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm advocating for children to be put on hormone blockers. I'm trying to state the cases that have been discussed multiple times about parents who don't care about their children, who are not supportive about their children. It's the same thing as um, the gay movements back before, you know, Mm -hmm. when, yeah, it's, it's in the same realm of reaction And so does the pediatrician work with the child one-on-one? Same thing with like birth control. Like at what age does the child get um, rights over their own body uh, so their parent can't enforce something because the parent either doesn't care or is not going to support it. So Yeah, and I guess without getting too far in the weeds, um, I wonder if this falls into the same category as life-saving medical care. Um, I know that there are many states out there. I don't really have any federal laws, but I know that there are many states out there that have laws that um, prevent parents from denying their children life-saving medical care because of a personally held belief. Usually it's religious beliefs. Um, So I wonder if something like this would fall under that. Probably depends on what state. And in those cases, yeah. ruling. Like exactly. The Supreme Court is going to get a hold of that. And like at that point, does the children, does the child kill themselves? So it's right. Yeah. So. But if it's a question in, in that state, it the question of of mandating that kind of care is also up in the air. Like you're going to get laws about mandated care in states where you have a higher likelihood for that to be an acceptable standard of practice versus somewhere here like Missouri. You're not going to get that mandated care and you're also not going to get the life saving medical care rule they they kind of go hand in hand i like that we're discussing every one of these issues and kind of giving our points to sway the audience one way or the other <laughs> um i don't know keep I'm, in mind you guys that we have not researched all of these things oh no um so this is just us answering off the cuff with our opinions this is, it's right there on the can it says unscripted mm-hmm which means unresearched. Yes. Which means we could be wrong. So please, we totally could own, be wrong. Yeah. Please form your own opinions um, when you yeah. are doing this survey. Go with your heart because in a year you might have a changed opinion. Yeah. 
Think about who you're trying to throw in jail and for what. The 13-year-old transgender child? Goodness. No, just their mom. (laughs) Wow. The and that's the that's actually the scary part for me is that a lot of these laws, a lot of these um, efforts are going to be undertaken with under the guise of protecting the children. Mm-hmm. And that that's my big takeaway of, from this conversation right now is whenever I hear somebody say we have to protect the children, I immediately go, "How many children are going to die because of what you're trying to do?" Yeah. Because protect the children is usually code for we have to force the children to conform to a certain type of behavior or expectations that we have formed as being traditional. Yeah. What we've decided, they have to do what we've decided is safe. Yeah. Yeah. and the the and a lot of it also goes or uh, you'll often hear something about like protecting them against groomers or something like that. Let's just make something super duper clear here. Yeah. Um, a lot of that conversation comes from a very homophobic campaign yeah. from like the seventies mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. tried to link uh, gay people with childhood or uh, with grooming children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a tactic that is coming back because it's very popular and it's stupid. Yes. Sydney. There was a podcast I listened to this morning um, when I wasn't listening to the critical race theory podcast. Um, and it went into, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I see how it is. Well, it talked about that specific grooming effect. It, this is um, led by a gay man. So he is, very educated on gay events but so he specifically talks about the grooming of um children by gays and how that is started by the evangelical church and um Mm -hmm. about how it is interesting especially because there is a a youth pastor that is going to jail because he accidentally had sex with a 14 year old and then continued to have sex with her for four more years uh-huh. Accidentally had Oops. sex with a fourteen-year-old for hate four it when years, that shit happens. and then continues to happen for four years. But anyway, so the real groomers. This is I'm paraphrasing what the podcast um, man said, but the real groomers are in the building. They're in the church. Oh, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, real real point here. It's always about projection. Mm-hmm. You always accuse your opponent or the person that you are fighting against of doing the things that you yourself are guilty of or afraid of doing. I was about to say, do you have a disease, Robin? Is that why you keep on uh, trying to say that I have syphilis? No. No. I just have a strong immune system. Uh, Must be all of the allergies. (laughs) All of them. Listen, my immune system is so high powered it tries to kill my own intestines, so... All right. The last question. Um, How do you feel about campaign donations for politicians? Yeah. And I didn't get any bullet points in the document and and time for these people to look at them. But the point that we're driving at here is where the money from uh, where the money for our political candidates comes from. Do you care how they get it? Do you care where it comes from? Do you want to know where it comes from? And do you think that there should be limitations on uh, how much they can get and who they can get it from? I care. I care. I also care. I think it's super simple. I think there should be limitations, and I think it should only be from private citizens. I don't think companies should be able to pay off politicians. Kickstarter all the way, guys. 
grassroots it or don't doots it. I don't know. That's going on a t-shirt. It's going on a t-shirt. I actually love it. <laughs> I love how disappointed it makes Savannah look at me. <laughs> I'm trying not to cough. <laughs> I think that's it for tonight. We have th- this, uh, unless you guys have, sorry, Savannah, do you have a thought? Oh, I was going to try to encourage people to take the survey um, and remember it's anonymous. Please let us know. Uh, your real opinions so yeah right so yes the point of all of these questions and what we are talking through ourselves uh is that there will be a survey available um it will be linked in our show notes i am fairly yes. certain it will also be linked on the website on the website under, in the show notes on the yeah. socials it'll be if everywhere you're my friend, spread it to your yeah, friends if you're my friend if you, you have to before you hang out with me again yeah, I was going to say, if you know one of us to. personally, we apologize in advance. No, I'm not apologizing. Uh, no. I'm apologizing. Listen, if you know one of us personally, only like three of you have left reviews, all right? On Spotify, you just got to click a star button. Just click okay? the stars, guys. You don't even have to write anything. So you're going to take you're gonna take a review. Hey. If you know us personally, I'm going to, you're going to take a, a, a survey. That's just how hey, it is. Um, That's how it's going to John, go. part of my five that I want to get to respond, uh, one of them's your wife, so you're welcome. You're not allowed to take one of mine. <laughs> Rude. Um, I personally yeah. have no okay. opinions as to whether or not John's wife should take this survey. I win. Thank you. Thank you for your input, Robin. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. I win. Very helpful. Um, yes. Okay. For real though, this, this has been one off the rails episode. I will do my best to edit it into something listenable. Um, it's not that bad. Thank you. No, it was fun. Uh, as always, you can find us on firesidebreakdowns.com. You can get our show notes. You can find our previous recordings. You can find links to our Patreon or a link to our Patreon where you can throw money at us so we can buy coffee to fuel our midnight recording sessions. No, it's so that John can have plastic bowls and that we can get Savannah treatment for her chlamydia. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This concludes the very special episode of Fireside Breakdowns. I am horrified, I think. Um, do we have good news to oh, share shit. with anybody? I, I think the good far. news is that this episode is over. I think that's some pretty I good think. news. <laughs> the good news I is think Savannah that is... doesn't have chlamydia. <laughs> the good news. My God, people. I hope this you guys have a fantastic list. week. I am muting the signal chat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Please save us. Just leave us a review. (laughs) Take the survey. I don't know, guys. Help me. Um, Yeah, I think that's what we're going to call it. Until next week, thank you all so very, very much for listening to our nonsense and also all of the research that we do. We will be back with with a researched episode one week from today. Until that point, take care of each other.